0: All right, it is February 4th, 2024, and this is the Fight Business Podcast. I'm your host, Patrick Ogier, and today we've got two big topics we're going to cover and do quick hits in between those two topics, but it's going to be a shorter episode because of that. Um, Nevertheless, important topics we need to discuss, and the first thing we are going to cover is the ongoing Vince McMahon WWE lawsuit. Now, we're going to do a high-level recap of what's going on with that, and updates from the last time we talked about this. But what I really want to focus on today is how does Dana White and the UFC navigate this, right? Your partner company has a massive scandal that is causing ripples throughout not only the company, but even the pro wrestling industry. You are tied to them. Your stock is tied to them. How do you navigate this as a partner company? What do you do? What can you do? You know, seeing as how TKO is also 51% owned by Endeavor. You know, what ramifications are there from that angle? We're going to dive into all of that. Um, That'll be topic one. Then, like I said, we're going to do quick hits and we're going to follow up quick hits with the UFC's promotional tactics. A lot of stir with the Dustin Poirier fight uh, being on, being off, now being on again and some of the promotional tactics that the UFC has used for quite a long time where they're announcing fights before they're technically signed. I'm going to talk about why the UFC does this. What is the business case or, you know, use case for this? Wh- what advantage do they get and what are the ramifications when things kind of blow up or fall through? If, you know, fighters don't end up actually signing on the dotted line, you don't get a resolution like he did with Dustin Poirier. So I'm going to talk about that as well. Um, Timestamps in the bottom as always, and let's go ahead and dive right in. All right, first thing we are going to talk about today is how does the UFC navigate this ongoing scandal in its partner company, WWE? Just a high-level recap of events, right? Um, Vince McMahon, who is, you know, I would assume that if you're listening to this, you were at least aware of who Vincent McMahon was, is um, to WWE. Uh, And when he sold WWE to Endeavor, before he even sold WWE, right? There was a scandal. He basically left, um, was not forced out, but decided to leave. He had controlling shares of WWE. After a while, decided, nope, you know what? I want to come back. And all we knew at the time was just, hey, he's paid out multiple NDAs um, to multiple women. That's all we really knew. We didn't know the details or anything of that nature. Um, So he leaves, decides after a while, nope, he wants to come back, forces his way back in. Uh, The WWE board originally unanimously votes that he doesn't come back in. He uses his voting share power to change the board, force his way back in, force the sale of the company. to Endeavor, um, who then, you know, creates TKO, spins off the UFC into this new entity, dilutes his share power. So now I believe he has about 12% or so. Uh, well, he had a little bit more than that, but then he sold some stocks. So he's at 12% or so, but as part of the deal, and this is something Ari Emanuel, head of Endeavor, you know, talked about is, you know, we need Vince McMahon. He's to stay on, want his creative mind, want him to be helpful. Um, After a while, with certain things going on, he was pulled from creative, but he was still orchestrating deals, you know, just a couple months ago. He was the one, Vince McMahon was the one who, using his connections that he had set up with the WWE Saudi deal, really, you know, tied together the UFC Saudi Arabia deal. Like, he was a key part of that. So he is executive chairman of the board he's not in creative anymore he's doing all that Uh, and then a former employee one of these ndas um, basically files a lawsuit and this is what one of the ndas was supposed to stop but didn't happen and the details come out they're horrific again do not recommend reading them uh, on a weak stomach if you have a weak stomach rather and so All this comes out. McMahon is immediately coming under fire, um, causes a whole bunch of issues. And then they had WWE had their Royal Rumble pay-per-view this past weekend on the 27th and January 27th. And Slim Jim, who is one of, if not their biggest sponsor, right? Top three decides to pull their sponsorship it says, you know, we're going to pause our sponsorship with the Royal Rumble, given any everything going on with Vince McMahon. Um, it's reported by Fightful Select, who is a wrestling outlet that I generally trust, um, you know, that another major sponsor that they were in talks with it no longer wants to work with them. So now money is being affected. Pretty shortly after that report comes out, um, I believe that's the morning of. Okay, I, I think it's the day before. It's either the day before. Yeah, yeah. No, it has to be the day before. It's the Friday before the Royal Rumble, which is on Saturday. That comes out, and then during SmackDown, which is one of their shows, Vince McMahon resigns fully. He says, you know, I'm. I still am going to defend myself against these faceless up- allegations replete with lies all this stuff but for the good of the company blah blah blah, i'm gonna resign so he resigns the next day slim jim is back on board i haven't heard anything else about the other sponsor but you know you see the royal rumble slim jim is is has several spots where they're clearly promoting their brand um and it seems like at least on the surface all seems to be much better right Um, This whole time, everything's going on. The stock, TKO stock had jumped from the Netflix deal that we talked about last week. It dropped a little bit, but not, you know, hugely. Um, And then this past week, it it pretty much evened out at around, I think, $85 or so is where it ended and, and kind of spiked back up, and that's... After a huge spike because of a big announcement, seeing a drop from whatever it was like 94, 95 down to 85 um, from where it was sitting at 77, that's not super uncommon at all, right? Especially because it ended the day after the announcement closer to 90-ish or 89. So it's dropped some, sure, but it's not what I would call a major red flag based on, you know, the news of McMahon. And things going on that and more, you know, comes out about this and all as the details are being released as coverage is actually blowing up in the mainstream because, you know, wrestling is very much like MMA where it's very niche. And for the most part, in terms of like daily coverage on who's winning, which matches, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but, you know, you have the wall street journal, CNN, uh, vice, uh, Fox at every news outlet under the sun, that's, you know, New York times that are bigger mainstream news outlets covering this, which is a big deal. Uh, and the stock is kind of like sitting sort of normal-ish, right? Um, again, you have some, some loss, but not, not enough that you could attribute to, oh, this story is really rocking it. Right now, at least at least not when the initial NDA news came out um, and the PFL news came out, like that really sent the stock down quite a bit. And then on a downward trajectory, this seems to be the stock kind of leveling up off after a big upswing from the Netflix announcement. So it, it rides that wave, and again, as of Friday, seems to be in a stabilish position, um, but. Another caveat that gets thrown into this is, um, you know, apparently uh, the way the Royal Rumble works, for those of you who don't know, uh, it's like this big battle royal match. And then the winner of that gets to go on to WrestleMania to challenge one of the company's champions. And so um, you had a wrestler, Cody Rhodes, win that, you know, call out one of the champions, essentially really call him out. And it it was a continuation of a storyline type thing. Uh, And then on Friday, uh, in in somewhat of a twist, he ends up basically giving away his shot against the guy he's been in in the story he's been really after and who he seemed to want to go after post-Royal Rumble to The Rock, Dwayne Johnson, who makes a surprise appearance crowd goes wild blah 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 and they've set up this rock versus uh roman reigns match which is massive etc um, again not going to get into the de- details of that but the reason i want to bring up the switch is it's being reported at least from some outlets and i don't know how much of this is is truth or not but um you know from a couple of outlets it is being reported that part of the reason that was made was because there was an injury to another wrestle at the Rumble, but Beyond that, you know, part of this is to have The Rock come in, be at WrestleMania, and divert attention away from the Vince McMahon stuff, which is not terrible PR, right? That's not necessarily a bad move just to get more people, more of mainstream casual fans talking about, oh, this huge match in the making to distract from what's going on. I don't know how much of that is... You know, where, how much of that is truth and is the main reason? I don't know if we'll ever get a, clear answer on, but I could see that being part of the strategy from WWE internally, right? Is like make as much positive noise as possible to drown out the negative noise. We've gotten rid of Vince McMahon. We're trying to, you know, have a huge WrestleMania. This is the way to do it. It's not an unused PR tactic um especially you know during the royal rumble they have a press they have press conferences kind of like mma did um and you know paul levec who is their chief uh, coo chief operating officer i believe or, or cco or something like that you know he takes questions and did an awful job a terrible 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 job when asked about this by reporters asked about the scandal, uh, he basically said, we had an amazing week. We're moving forward. We're gonna, you know, we're not going to focus on the negativity and keep in mind, this dude is the son-in-law of the guy um, who just, you know, got kicked out of the company. Uh, he's married to that guy's daughter, his, his grandkid or his kids are that or Vince McMahon's grandkids. I mean, yeah. Um, So he does a terrible job handling it. A couple of other wrestlers or or figureheads did all right uh, handling some questions, but um, that's kind of where things are now. I know that there's been a report of um, federal prosecutors, you know, like executing a search warrant and really looking into Vince McMahon. So it looks like he's looking at criminal charges, which would make a lot of sense, um, you know, providing how deep this goes. But that's kind of the high-level recap in terms of where we are right now. Um, for more in-depth stuff, like timeline, all that fun stuff, some some if you want to get into the real wrestling nitty-gritty, and I know I went for a while there, but just wanted to make sure I hit the, the key points, um, check out either um, John Pollock or Brandon Thurston. Uh, their show together, both of their shows separately, are, are fantastic stuff. They're doing a great job. Covering this from the wrestling side. So if you want to get into the wrestling weeds and like get into the scandals itself and the history and some of the other, you know, all that juicy, gory details, those guys are already killing it. I'm not going to try and dive into that world too much. To be honest, I don't have the time and they're already doing a fantastic job. Um, So go follow them for that. Um, But as it pertains to. Endeavor right and the UFC that's what I kind of want to focus on um for Endeavor right ARIA manual now is in a interesting position um when the NDA stuff had come out they had put in their filings with the TKO merger like this is a risk right like depending on what happens with this this they disclose that as a risk to shareholders um when all that stuff came out as well, when WWE was its own company, you know, apparently they had an internal investigation um, with the third party and they didn't reach out to, or there's some interesting communication as to whether or not they reached out to this alleged victim whose details have now come out. Um, and so it doesn't look great, right? It seems to be much more of, much more of an issue right than probably previously thought and how much somebody like Ari Emanuel or Nick Khan, who, who's over there, um, knew is hard to say, but from Ari's perspective, now you immediately have to lock down again, as much negative PR as you can. You've got to, got to spin it and you've got to clean house. And we've seen Ari do this on the MMA side before, right? Um, I know I've seen some wrestling journalists or or places talk about like, well, are they going to get rid of, you know, Paul Levesque, who is a key centerpiece in terms of creative designs of the stories of pro wrestling and all this other stuff. And, you know, all this, you know, when Ari bought the UFC and Endeavor bought the UFC, right? They cleaned house like no other. And there was not some major scandal going on. Um, They just wanted to cut bloat right? Remember all the legends deals that were going on? Um, Chuck Liddell, who, who maybe, maybe Rashad Evans? No, Matt Hughes, Matt Hughes, Chuck Liddell, a couple others, um, where they were getting these, you know, crazy deals, crazy amounts of money for doing nothing, essentially, right? Um, they were not coming into an office, they were not doing anything. The only person who survived that initial round of cuts was Forrest Griffin, because he actually like showed up to the office and tried to do a job. He tried to like actually do something. And then he ended up, you know, being an integral part of the PI and, you know, actually work with athletes. And so they were like, yeah, we'll keep you on because you're actually doing something. But you had so many Legends deals, so many things going on where people were just getting paid because, you know, they had, Dana and the Fertittas had essentially agreed to pay these guys and like these company men. And then that all went away just overnight, just poof. Ari has always been about the numbers and about focus. His recent comments, right, about CAA, whose arrival of WMEIMG um, going private and getting paid a ton of money and their stock being valued at something, right? His recent comments were, you know, I want my stock out at that we're at least worth. Forget what he said. Maybe he didn't say ten times or eight times whatever CAA got, but he said, you know, at least four or five times what we're, you know, our valuation is. This is crazy. Blah blah blah. Um, you know he's trying to pump up his stock price. He's trying to get his respect from that regard. But that that's just always how he's worked. He's always been about cut the cut the glut, cut trim the fat, and make this as profitable as possible. Pump up our shares. And the fact Endeavor stock has not done super well since appearing on wall street i think is a thorn in his side i think that's something he takes i don't know if it's personally but i i could see it right like i mean he definitely it irks him to a certain degree um and this right with tko this was something that was going to help endeavor stock by offloading a fair amount of their debt um you know, being bringing together two powerhouse names in WWE and UFC, use those back office s- synergies, which we've seen through layoffs, specifically on the WWE side. Um, and now we're finally seeing the co promotion of events, right? So, uh, you got, I think, 298, UFC 298, and um, a big, you know, house show or uh, raw or something that weekend and now we're seeing we're finally seeing the kind of co-promotion of like yeah check out this weekend you can get two huge things of wrestling and mma and they're trying to increase the cross-pollinization of customers right like basically i'm sure they've done research on this i know the research i've heard is like five to ten percent but i'm sure they've done some casual research on this that suggests that there might be opportunity to get more crossover between MMA and WWE fans, right? Um, Especially if you have, you know, someone like Brock Lesnar, who is also named in this case, uh, by the way, and has all but been removed from WWE. uh, But, you know, that somebody like him is an opportunity where, okay, he can fight, but he also wrestles. And so you can kind of do some cross promotion. We saw Cain Velasquez before his whole ordeal, you know, go over to WWE for a bit and do an angle with Brock Lesnar and do a whole thing. Um, There's certainly some opportunity there where they'd like those two sides to work a little bit better, I think, and to, to hopefully get, more customers to go to both, especially if they're in the same weekend, right? It's an experience. That's what they're trying to build. Um, How far that'll go, that's yet to tell, but that's definitely something they want to push. This is the start, the co-promotion that they're doing. But Ari now is in a position where looking at what's happening in WWE, he pretty much has to clean house and he will. Anybody that is even remotely involved in this and the lawsuit named McMahon, but then there's several other members of WWE who are anonymous anonymously mentioned, right? Like corporate member number one, uh, I think of an athletic trainer, a, a referee, maybe a, a particular, um, wrestler. There's, there's a whole bunch named in just this lawsuit and there are many other lawsuits and the question becomes too you know is this the worst of them or is this the standard you know if we open up these other NDAs if if this NDA which is going to court and part of it could become unenforceable right like if or if a judge rules it unenforceable that could open up basically all the other NDAs where women could come forward and actually reveal details um the lawyer for this particular woman says that They've had several people come forward and want to talk about this. And it's a, you know, rotten culture, uh, that, you know, they're overwhelmed by this. There's been a lot of rumblings from reporters talking to people apparently and saying like, this thing is real bad all over the place. And again, we're, we're going to find out how bad to an extent. Um, but Ari has to swiftly Ari and and Endeavor, and the board of of TKO has to swiftly get rid of anyone who might be even potentially involved in this. Because if more details come out, if it turns out that key people who are still in the company right now, um, because again, McMahon was, was kind of, Kind of there, kind of not right. Ronda Rousey mentioned, you know, he threw an agent of uh, Bruce Pritchard, He was still kind of, you know, there, quote unquote, through a surrogate. But he, he McMahon himself wasn't physically in the building, wasn't physically doing things and really was focusing more on things like the Saudi deal in UFC rather than, um, you know, actually running the show. If it turns out that there are people who are running the show are still there, and lots of people, that's going to cause huge, huge problems. Um, because in this, you know, woman, this, uh, Janelle Grant is her name, uh, it, in her lawsuit, she names the WWE. And if it turns out that this is a systemic problem, right? That yes, McMahon is the perpetrator. Or the key perpetrator. uh, I believe John Laurinaitis is also named who is a a key figure there for many years. Um, But if it turns out, okay, this is a systemic failure. It isn't just two people at the top of using their power. That that lawsuit becomes very expensive very quickly. And couple that with NDAs not being enforceable and you've got multiple of these. I mean, it could, it could go very bad, very quickly. WWE. So Ari has to immediately figure this out with TKO's board and get rid of anyone. Anyone who even remotely might have been involved in this. Um, And that's going to bring a lot of hard changes, right? I don't know how, personally, just from an optics standpoint, I don't know how Paul Levesque stays on because I mean, this is it would be hard given his relationship and given some of the stories out there, you know, that he would be unaware of, he might not know again, all of the details, but he'd be unaware of some of this stuff kind of seems like a no brainer. Um, And that could again affect WWE story line, right? That that's firing your head writer for a TV show Uh, or, or, you know, your head showrunner for a TV show. That's, that's not great. Um, so it's, it's a lot and Endeavor's going to have to navigate that. And, and TKO could easily, you know, right now their stock's doing okay. They could easily end up in trouble. So from the UFC side of things, um, just to, you know, circle this all back. And I know I've kind of gone on some tangents here, but it's important to set this up, right? Um, from the UFC side of things, what does Dana and the UFC do right now? Their only tie is to Brock Lesnar. That's their main tie in to this whole situation is had Brock Lesnar come back for UFC 200. Uh, he's a former UFC world heavyweight champion. Um, I have said many times, I thought Brock Lesnar was going to come back for UFC 300 in the main event, which still hasn't been announced. So I thought they were trying to work on that. If that was even being talked about. And yes, I know Dana said he wasn't, but I mean, Dana said he wasn't for too, So you can't always trust that. Um, Either way. I now think that's definitely not happening. Um, I do not think Dana and co would want to touch this at all. Um, So now would not be the time to bring back Brock. but you know that's your biggest tie in. Rousey is also a tie in, right? But the UFC's kind of distanced themselves from Rousey since the Hall of Fame and since, you know, she kind of gave up and and Rousey made much more of a clean split, right? There's there's been rumors about her coming back, but you know, we'll see. Um honestly, if you one easy, you know, PR tactic is if Rousey coming back was on the table for 300, that's not a bad call right? Um, because that's, you know, getting that that definitely is like, we're, you know, getting an empowering woman to come and step into the cage, it, it gives her shine. I mean, that could be a whole thing. But um, but that's kind of, you know, I, I don't think that's going anywhere. And I don't believe it would give so much of a PR shine that it's really like, Oh, this is great. Right. Um, so Making sure you don't bring back Brock Lesnar is step one. That's easy. You just, he's not going to be at 300. He's not going to be, you know, part of, if you've got any UFC documentary stuff on him or something happening in the background, that all stops immediately. He, you keep him off the radar for right now. Um, See how it plays out because his involvement is kind of wonky, right? It's, it's, the details of that are, Definitely seems like he was kind of involved, but how involved, it's hard to say, and and you know, all that stuff. So um you, you just basically you you don't bring him back. That's easy enough to do at this point, too, especially given his age. Um it's pretty simple. Uh but beyond that, right? If you're in the UFC, you're in a very unique and interesting position. really what you you have to put now above all else given what's going on with wwe and that re and tko are dealing with that is you have to make sure that you do not have any very awful negative press scandal type things come out anytime soon right wwe sinking could hypothetically sink the whole ship, although given the UFC's profitability, I don't think it would, Um, but it's definitely, you know, if WWE really went off the deep end here, right, and just let's say it turns out like this thing stuff is going on everywhere all the time, it's still technically going on today, something crazy like that, and WWE now gets hit with Endless lawsuits that are going to cost a ton of money and really just drain the company, and it's a whole huge thing, and viewership drops off, cups customers leave, all that stuff. Apocalyptic scenario, right? UFC's profitability because they are so profitable. Um, I have to go look at the actual numbers, but I think there would be a, a chance they could survive, especially because TKO would probably clean house in ways by cutting certain things or, you know, shutting down parts of operations and all that. So they'd be, I think they would have a a pulse. What state they'd be in. I'm not sure, but you know, UFC is, is not burning money and unprofitable, you know, in, in a way where it's like, okay, if WWE goes to UFC, can't do anything. And TKO is dead. Um, I think they definitely have a pulse minimum, honestly. Uh, Now that I'm thinking through things, yeah, they'd be they'd be alive. But so with the the antitrust lawsuit starting right in a a couple months now, that's bad enough. If there's any other scandal thing or whatever, you're even remote, something that you think could remotely creep up and cause a whirlwind of negative press, you're locking that down. Right now, if you're data white and co. You're also escalating that. If again, we're I'm not talking about a scandal necessarily the size of this magnitude with uh Vince McMahon and everything else going on, but if you got some crazy scandal or something you know bubbling under the surface that could potentially come out, could cause issues, you are raising that up right now to TKO's board and to Ari, and you're saying, Hey, look i know you're dealing with all this crap but like here's a risk that we have to keep an eye on you're basically you're you're taking a risk register and creating creating a risk register of everything you know at the ufc level that could cause issue especially with pr now you know sean strickland stuff isn't great right um and obviously, they didn't have him available after his fight, which was interesting um, after he dropped the belt. But yeah, you 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 definitely need to be careful about that. I know Dana, last time we talked, Dana leaned into it. He That's his consumer base. That's his fan base. You know, he said he's not going to censor anybody. Sure. That still doesn't mean you don't do things like remove him from media access after a fight where he might get asked more questions or it might cause more issues, right? Um, you do what you can to mitigate those risks. And that's not, especially given how it all played out, that's not a risk on the same level as McMahon's issues, right? But any extra negative attention right now is going to be, they're going to be extra sensitive to it. And that's what you kind of have to realize moving forward if you're Dana. Um, and I keep saying Dana, but it's really just the UFC business as a whole, right? Um, if you have any, you saw like the new, not you saw it anymore, but the new drug testing program. If you have any failures or any issues with that, you you need to immediately shore them up, and you need to raise risks. That's you are on heightened alert essentially um, because the spotlight is on WWE, and as an extension on TKO, and you are half of TKO. So making sure your house is in order is is step one, and escalating any type of of risk and managing that far far more stringently than you had before is is step one. Um, step two, right? Once you've kind of got that, you know, settled uh, and and sorted, then you've got to do the winning and and the the lifting for TKO. So you need to be putting on huge events. Ideally, um, you need to create a lot of positive buzz about what you're doing, going into new markets, new sponsorship deals, things of that nature. And you need to put on exciting fights, sell out arenas, things of that nature. You, you've got to go out there and win. Uh, your you know your partner is down. you you've got to pick up the slack because this is going to cost a lot of money. It's going to cost a lot of negative publicity. We've seen with WWE how it could cost sponsorships. You're going to have to pick up that slack. That's not something the UFC is unfamiliar with though, right? When they were in Endeavor's portfolio and Endeavor bought them out fully, I mean, they were the crown jewel. We talked about that on the show. They were the one fueling Endeavor's acquisitions of, you know, on location and the uh, sports... IMG Arena, right? They were the the jewel, crown jewel of Endeavor's ecosystem because a lot of that ecosystem was just burning money or barely profitable or was incurring a ton of debt in order to acquire new parts of the ecosystem they believed in. Um, And it was up to the UFC to just keep making money, paying down Endeavor's debt with its profits, paying out dividends um, to certain shareholders, right? There was the, the New York Post article that was about uh, the dividends to a lot of celebrities, things of that nature, who had invested in the company. Um, but that's, I mean, that was really the UFC's role then, was like, all right, we're going to go out there and keep winning and killing it uh, while you guys figure your stuff out. So they're back in that position again. Instead of being toe in toe with, you know, a partner who is also very profitable and they can kind of not relax because they're always trying to grow and succeed, but th- they don't have the same pressure or same role as before. Um, now they're back to where they were when Endeavor owned them outright. That's really they're they're back in that mode. Uh, so also wouldn't be surprised, you know, seeing more you. UFC Vegas, eighty-five fight nights, and then big events, which they already came out with three, uh, you know, huge pay-per-views coming up with two eighty-nine, two ninety-nine, three hundred, which are all very good. Uh, two ninety-seven was uh, not so much, but the the, the next three are. They're going to have a big, you know, first half of the year for sure. Um, and then you've got rumors about Conor McGregor coming back for International Fight Week, which makes a lot of sense. Would again help with the press, help with you know boosting positive, if you know, coverage of the UFC and take away from negative TKO coverage. So they're going to do that, but that's you're you're back in that. Okay, I've got a win roll. Well, my partners and and everything is down. I've got to win. Fine, that that's easy enough too. For them, that's that's not very different at all from they were just you know a year and a half ago, right? That that's their this is where they've been for a while. So they took a break from it. Now they're back. um So that's the next thing they have to do. And then lastly, you know the the biggest thing you do here is from from a specifically talking head point, which w- this would be mostly Dana, I would imagine. Maybe Lawrence Epstein, maybe. Um, Maybe Hunter, but not really. Hunter really does interviews and things of that nature. So mostly Dana is. If the WWE stuff comes up, you you have a company line that you tow and you stick to it, and you make sure that to what extent you can, you make sure fighters stick to it too. Right, um, if it bleeds into you know, UFC stuff so far, it hasn't, I'm not saying it will. I think there is technically a possibility with the Brock stuff. And just, again, the fact that if, you know, TKO shares tank, that affects UFC. And so that becomes an issue and I'm sure it could come up, but um, you know, you tow the company line here and you, you have a unified front on this stuff. Uh, Because again, UFC has had plenty of scandals, right? Plenty of scandals. most recent one being the video of Dana White slapping his wife and you know, you had ESPN talking about it. You had video of him doing that. Um, I think he got some grace given that his wife had also hit him. Right. So that gave him a little bit more of a grace period to get out of that situation. And he was able to answer questions in a way that allowed him to, pretty much stay where he was. Uh, I think if his wife does not hit him or you get, you know, just the video of him slapping his wife or, or really going after his wife, I think that's, that's curtains for him. But, um but UFC knows how to navigate scandals. They've, they've been through plenty of them. Um And they've just kind of go got to go into that mode and make sure that they maintain what they're doing. Other than that, there's not much else UFC can do right? They, I mean, they're kind of stuck. It's not like, it's not like now, which this is important moving forward, where now you're going to have some of these same back office roles fulfilled by the same, like business unit. That's part of the synergies uh, is is that with some of the layoffs, um, you know, sponsorship, uh, I, I think is the, biggest one but there's marketing some other places where like now you've got one team working on certain graphics for both wwe and ufc and and it becomes kind of a merger of the corporate office back office structure now that's important too that if that culture is coming in from wwe that if you're you ufc you you get rid of it asap and tko knows that i'm sure but you make sure that does not permeate into your company tactics and builds right and i don't think there's you know i don't believe they've had any like actual office mergers where they're sending people from uh, vegas up to connecticut or anything like that i I don't think that's happening i think mostly things are remoter so that'll you know help with some of it but you, you you stonewall if you're the UFC, you say, nope, this is our culture. This is our brand. This is what we've built. And you do not let anything, uh, if if it is truly a systemic culture issue in WWE, you don't let anything penetrate what you've built in UFC's culture. You you make sure that that is locked down in a way to prevent that from bleeding into the MMA side. That's That's really all you can do or those things. Um it other than that, again, it's it's kind of like watching, you know, a, a fire across the street. You, you can call, you know, you can call your fire department, you can watch it and try to help where you can, but ultimately like it's not your building that's on fire. It's that building and they have to figure it out. Right. Um and yeah, will this affect things from from a governance standpoint? Sure. I'm I'm sure that that certain things will be put into place to prevent this from ever happening in WWE again that will also be adopted by the UFC. Um you've got The Rock joining the TKO board, which means, you know, he can technically vote and speak to things that involve the UFC as well. Uh so that automatically changes some of the governance with McMahon out that's just also going to happen. Um There are going to be changes that will ultimately trickle down to the UFC side that they'll have to deal with. But right now there's not much they can do other than go out and just do well. That's, that's their biggest goal and then tighten things up, raise risks, everything we just talked about. That's kind of how you navigate this. If you're the UFC, Um you keep communication open, especially with, Ari and and co, you do what you you offer assistance, but you you're kind of in your own world, and it, it's important for you to succeed in that world while this is going on. That's from a business perspective, right? Um, similar type of thing in a, in a way to I guess the 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 bow on this uh, this topic is you know think about like with, with a family, right? Um, if you've got a family with two brothers and one brother is messing up all the time. And I know some of you come from families like that. Um, you know, I'm lucky. I'm lucky. I, I, if anybody was the mess up, it was me in, in mine. Um, but you know, when that did happen, right? Like when I would mess up or, or there'd be issues, you know, my older brother would, you know, be the good kid. Would be the one not getting in trouble and you know, would know. Like, I'm, you know, basically my parents would essentially be like, look, we gotta deal with your brother. Um, and and you know, we have a whole bunch of stuff we gotta deal with your brother or whatever, what have you. You know, we need you to, you know, get good grades and not go out and party and not do these things, right? That's the expectation. That's all you can do. That's if if you're the good kid. That's all you can do is just keep being the good kid. Make sure you don't get in trouble. That's step number one. Because if you if you get in trouble in the boat, like then it's a huge issue, right? Um then your then your whole house is on fire and it's a big problem. But if it's just, you know, if it's just one section of the family, you could tackle it and, and figure out how to go through it. It, it makes a huge difference. That's that's the analogy I would give. I know I'm not the best at analogies, um, but that's kind of what I would say is, you know, if you've got the problem child, the, the good kid has to remain being the good kid. And, yeah, you switch on and off sometimes. Right. But like. You got got two kids, you hope and and you expect one to be good while you're dealing with the other's problems. As much as you can, that's the best way to support the family. That's what TKO and R is going to be looking for the UFC to do. And that's what Dana and, and co. will do. That's what the UFC will do moving forward. Um, I have no doubt that's going to be their goal anyway. So with that in mind, let me know your thoughts on all this. I know this was a long one, um, but it was important to talk about because, again, ramifications of this will affect the UFC uh, peripherally, at least for right now. But, you know, governance is is going to be policies i'm sure will be put in place that will have to be put in the ufc because they're put in wwe and it will come from a top-down governance structure a tko governance itself is, is changed and my guess will continue to change i don't see you know day-to-day operations or anything being affected in the ufc side uh i think again it's more likely now if they were looking at any ufc cuts uh to kind of balance out some of the WWE because they're probably not looking at those as much right now and seeing WWE is more of the problem. So there's that, but yeah, it, it's going to be an interesting ride and we'll see what the stock does and we'll see what UFC does to try and counter and, and succeed on their side, because that's all, all they can really do. All right, quick hits. And these will be very quick. Um, two things I want to point out. Uh, one is that Victor Qui is back at one championship. Um, that's a big deal. He was kind of beloved at one, uh, had left, I believe, to do a CFL or AFL um football league thing. It's come back um to help kind of right the ship. Uh, and Chautry was asked about, you know, financials, one's financials mentioned he's gotten about $500 million in investment and, you know, that they're succeeding. They're going to be profitable soon. I uh, saw a lot of people saying like, oh, I mean, UFC has a lock on, the market so much that, you know, $500 million Shatry has, and he still can't, you know, compete. And, you know, that's, it's not an entirely true statement, right? There are lots of caveats with that, but it does speak to the UFC's market power. And, you know, it is something that may come up at the antitrust lawsuit. Uh, you know, it, 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 it's not great that they get $500 million and they can't get a functioning, um, MMA promotion to really compete at the levels the UFC. That's from a, you know, anti-trust standpoint, something to think about. But uh, Victor being back again is big, especially with the other executives that left. Um, him coming back is is a good signal, at least in terms of the company bringing back a beloved figure that I'm guessing they believe will help them uh, move into this new era of profitability and expand into the U.S. Uh, The other quick hit I wanted to go through would be that ESPN Plus, along with Hulu and Disney in general, are following the Netflix model and are going to start cracking down on password sharing. So, just like where Netflix used to be able to share your password, and one you know account may have several people tied to it, that's now gone uh, on Netflix's side, and it's sunsetting, I believe, in March for ESPN Plus. That's big because. Again, um, UFC media rights deals are coming up, right? This is the exclusive negotiating period, and then they start to get to talk with other entities. So how much that affects subscribership, uh, I think could easily impact the UFC's rights deal, uh, depending, right? If it's a a statistically insignificant amount, sure, they don't care. if anything that just helps ESPN because it's great we got these guys uh that means we're going to force them to sign up for their own perfect if it's a ton which i don't know that it will be but again it's a possibility right if all of a sudden you have a bunch of subscription cancellations or you have those same subscriptions but then you know viewership starts dropping for ufc events because again we get viewership through ratings but there's espn plus numbers we are not privy to right where they can tally it on the back end if you're streaming it's you can see how many are concurrently streaming something that they keep those numbers pretty under lock and key that's part of the reason and the way the UFC makes their decisions about who to push or not right it's it's a big deal so um if those numbers start falling significantly right or pay-per-view numbers are affected a ton which shouldn't happen you'd think um but you never know. Uh then then that could, you know, play a part in this. I don't think it will personally. Um I think it's going to be kind of like Netflix where like sure you lose subscribers or or people get mad about it or, you know, less viewership, but overall pretty much stays the same because people want to see their sports and, and you know whatever. But ESPN Plus is in a weird spot because Netflix, right, has always had that content and if you're going to watch Netflix, that's the content you want. ESPN Plus has been a part of the bundle a lot of the times and has been more pushed as yeah it's got UFC it's got a couple of games here and there but it's not the quintessential ESPN network so until they transfer that over that'll be a thing too but just something to keep an eye on uh, those are the quick hits let me know if I missed anything else Uh oh yeah Riz Pharma has last one Riz Pharma is now um, signed a deal a sponsorship for the UFC for erectile dysfunction and some other male needs, Uh, low to mid seven figures. So not like a crazy deal, but uh, interesting nonetheless. They've always been in this space. Uh, There's been people laughing about it and talking about it with, uh, you know, Trojan and Condom Depot and that stuff. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's quite the name, Riz Pharma, but it's a sponsorship deal nonetheless. And it's another, another feather in the cap of that sponsorship team, which they are, again, consolidating and trying to, get one team together from my understanding for both WWE and UFC, which is big because sponsorship is a huge part of making money for both of those companies. So uh, another further than the cap there, let me know if I missed anything, Uh, but those are the quick hits for the week. All right. Last thing I'm going to touch on for today is got another classic case of, um, you know, Dustin Poirier versus uh, Benoit Saint-Denis announced for $2.99. And seems like everything's great until Dustin says, nope, fights off, but I'm still training. Comes a whole issue where they're saying, nope, it's not signed. You had a whole thing on Twitter happening. Um, and then Dustin comes back and says, nope, sorry, I jumped the gun. We're good. I just couldn't get a hold of my manager, et cetera. And people were getting upset. Uh, Dana was going after a couple Data and co were going after uh, Guillerme Cruz, I believe, um, which I still don't understand what that was all about. But essentially, you know, saying, nope, this fight is done. It's a whole thing. Um, I believe because he had reported that that and another fight had never actually been signed and it was announced. Um, so with the Poirier situation, I don't know if it was signed or not and it just didn't get communicated, whatever. But we know from other situations right in the past in the UFC lawsuit documents that this has happened before. And we've seen this happen before where fighters have come out and said, like we didn't, I didn't sign this deal. They just announced this fight. We've seen it especially more frequently. Right. Um, And it's important to track because this is something that I think will continue to happen. And it gives the UFC a slight advantage in marketing and for promotion. And here's why if you are able to announce an exciting fight right ahead of time for a particular card you're going to get people buying buying those tickets and it's always sure card subject to change right it's it, always always card subject to change so one you try and pressure those fighters to make that matchup because that's the matchup you want right and now if it's out there and they say, no, it looks like they backed out or they're scared to fight. So it's a psychological and, and appearance tactic to be like, hey, you guys are going to sign this and fight. If not, like you're going to look dumb or it's going to be your fault. You're going to get the blame, which often happens, right? It's it, even look at the Poirier situation. Poirier is like, nope, our fight's off. We couldn't come to a contractual agreement. Makes it sound like and a lot of people were saying, well, it sounds like he, you know, he didn't want to fight in law and I couldn't get it done. That's the whole reason they do that is to spin it that way it's not man. we're the ufc we couldn't get this fight done we really wanted it blah blah blah. it's no and in the meantime right you're gonna have diehard dustin poirier fans or people who are like okay i want to see who's on this card before i buy tickets to go to 299 oh that that fight's added that's big so now when i'm looking at the whole card great it's a hardcore fan now it kind of like hits that tipping level of yeah i'm gonna go ahead and buy buy my flights all this so even if it gets canceled Oh well, that sucks. That fights off. It's whatever. Well, I already bought the tickets. I already bought the flights. I already bought the hotels. Like, yeah, I'm still going. It just sucks. It's gone. It's that simple. I I do not understand why people are scratching their heads. Like, why would the UFC do this? It's this is how you sell cards, and they can get away with it because, again, it's it's not a situation where they are they they're knowingly throwing these cards on and saying like, Nope, this isn't going to actually happen. So we're they're, they're not committing fraud or lying about it. They're saying, no, we believe that this is the fight that's going to happen. We're announcing this fight because this is the fight we want. This is the fight where it's happening the contracts are out. They just have to sign. And I do wonder what would happen if somebody challenged that right of like, Oh, this is purposefully when you look at the, you know, some of the texts and things that were going on when, um, John Jones situation, which, you know, they announced Gus Gustafson versus Jones before Jones had actually had the contract and and signed everything. Um, You know, I wonder if somebody sues if that fight fell through and then sues the UFC for, you know, false advertising. I don't know how that would go, but um, but as of right now, they can continue to do this and it gives them the ability to move tickets and move promotion faster uh, while they're waiting for the fighters to sign and be making the fights they want. Right. Like if you're a fighter, I've, I've seen this a lot recently and it's important to note that if you are fighting for the UFC, you can turn down an opponent. There seems to be this notion out there for multiple people. Uh, you know, Stephen A. Smith mentioned it. Uh, Eddie Hearn mentioned it in a discussion. Uh, with i think yale or or with the college discussion that john nash had put out there that was great it's good to look at for boxing negotiations versus mma negotiations check it out but um but all these people are saying no like well you know the ufc gets to decide who fights who they say oh you know this guy you're gonna fight that guy sign the contract but as a fighter you can still turn them down now if you turn them down you can get your contract extended it can become a whole thing but you you know Especially, I think it's after so many offers, like two or three offers, depending on who you are, depending on your contract. But it's not a like, you have to fight this person. If you say no, then, you know, too bad, you're in trouble, et cetera. Like that's not how it works. That's often how it feels and that I mean, if you don't say yes, it can have ramifications, but you can turn down opponents. That is a thing you can do. But by announcing these fights, again, ahead of time, if you turn down the opponent, the narrative is going to be spun as, as, well, you know, we we made it, we thought we were good, and then this this person didn't want to fight this person. And that doesn't look good for you, right? It causes issue for you. And what, again what is stopping the UFC from continuing to do this? What is is the, you always have to look at this from a cost benefit analysis. Every move that they make, right? On the proverbial chessboard, what is the risk if I do this? What's the risk if they continue to announce these fights and then they're not signed and then they fall through? Fans get grumpy, media says it's a problem. Big whoop, that blew over in a day? How many people bought tickets and actually moved money, right? I think the only way it blows up is if you announce some crazy main event for, say, UFC 300, and then it falls through last second and turns out, well, it was never actually signed. Then you've got problems. But those aren't the fights, you know, where that tends to happen all the time. And I'm not saying, you know, again, Jones Gustafson, Poirier is a bigger name, sure. But like, it's, it's a scenario where they're going to keep doing this because there's basically no downside. There's only upside. It only moves tickets, moves promotion, tries to force fighters into matchups you want. This is, why would they ever abandon this tactic? Why? I can't if somebody I would love in the chat uh, or message me on Twitter, whatever, like tell me why the UFC wouldn't continue to do this. They've been doing it for so long now. What is the downside? There is none. There's none at all. It's, it's just free promotion and free moving tickets. It makes the card look better. You're good to go. Hopefully they sign it. And oftentimes they do sign it, right? We've heard fighters say like, well, I hadn't been official yet, but then we worked it out. There you go and then you get to announce it earlier, which means you move more tickets up front. That's the name of the game, right? We Going back to WWE, using that example, right? Like, if you can announce that The Rock or John Cena or whoever, you know, Stone Cold Steve Austin is going to be doing something, the sooner you announce it, the better. Because it moves more tickets right I, it, it it there is no downside to the UFC right now other than fighters getting frustrated sure which that can have a, a systemic effect if if enough fighters get mad um but for the most part they just get mad and don't do anything and media and some fans getting angry but they again media still covering it and fans with with the market share the UFC has, fans are still watching. And they're going to blame the fighter, most likely. They're going to see so-and-so is off because they wouldn't sign the contract. That's how Dana's going to spin it. That's how uh, the other fighters' camp is going to spin it, right? That's just how it is. It, it, there's there's no downside. So let me know in the chat again if you think there's a true downside to this. But but it's it's smart on the UFC's end. It's a great promotional tactic for them they're using their competitive advantages to pull this off and there's no reason they're going to stop. So, yeah, sorry, it's going to it's going to keep happening. It's just going to keep happening. <laughs> um yeah, I, I literally can't think of a reason why they would stop. Let me let me know. Let me know what you guys think because it's seems like an easy question to answer to me. All right, that wraps up another episode of the Five Business Podcast. Appreciate you as always for watching on YouTube or listening through one of your uh, preferred listening podcasts. I, it's late here, uh, so apologize. Also apologize if the audio is a little wonky. Hopefully, it's all good. Um, but yeah, I'm getting stuffed up. My voice is kind of kind of going from the sick stuff, so I'm I'm gonna bounce. But as always, like, subscribe, uh, bell notifications if you're on YouTube listening on any of the other uh apple spotify what have you uh podcast platforms appreciate you guys as always and until next time get money